Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf HaShavua as we study Mesechas Yivamos, Daf Yud. I want to thank uh, everyone. Fascinating comments on last week's year, especially the Chavos Yair. And it was a good point out. I should have noticed that uh, Chavos Yair is mentioned in last week's parsha. I was listening to a shir that uh, Rav Shechter gave, actually a discussion Rav Shechter had with a colleague of mine, Rabbi Lenny Matanki of Chicago. And Rabbi Matanki was asking Rav Shechter for some recollections of the Rav. And he pointed out that uh, when Rav Shechter was in the Rav Shir, he was in the Rav Shir for 10 years, at some point, Rav Shechter asked Akasha from a Tosfos, from a different Gemara. And it seemed like the Rav insulted him. He used the Yiddish expression that when you were 100 years old, you should be able to explain that Tosfos happened to be that Rav Shechter spoke to Rav Aaron Lichtenstein, and they both felt that it was a good kasha, but the Rav wasn't interested at that point in dealing with kashas. But the way that Rav Shechter, years later, looks back on that incident is what a bracha my Rebbe gave me, that I shall live to 100 years. So this ties back into uh, last week, and when a Rebbe corrects a Talmud or gives him musr, if the Talmud is willing to receive it in a positive way, we could turn what may seem on the surface, chas v'shalom, like a klola, into a brach. I want to deal today with a very, very important sugya. In Seches Yivamas, it explains a lot of what happened even on Daf Tes and Daf Yud. And in the future of Seches Yivamas, it relates to Ksubas, to Kiddushin, and has halachalamasa applications. I'm going to be a little bit long-winded to get you and to get us to the point that I want to focus on, but I think it's important to do some foundational work. Uh, one of the shortcuts, I wouldn't call it a shortcut, but one of the ways that could help you if you're not following inside, as I'm given this year, is to take a note, to look at the Rambam, Hilchos Ishus, Perak Aleph, as well as Perak Dalit. Aside from what we learn in the Rambam in Yuvamas, a lot of ishus. Ishus is a general description for halachic marriage that exists. We've discussed that before with the different stages, Kiddushin, how before Matan Torah there was no Kiddushin, there was just what we would call today Nisuin. Now this Kiddushin is actually even an earlier stage called Shiduchin, which has some halachic status as well. In Perik Aleph of the Rambams, he discusses three different categories of what we will call prohibited relationships and relations. And he actually defines the categories. What the Rambam says in Perak Aleph, halacha vav. I'm sorry, but he says in Perak Aleph, halacha Let me give you the exact halacha here. I apologize. Halacha. Hey. Kolsha asa biasa batora. Vachayev al biasa karas. If there's a prohibition of a relationship in the Torah where there's an isra karas, heim amuros biparshas achrimos, heim nikros arayos, as we've discussed this before. They're all called an erva. And then he gives an example. 
Aim achos bas Remember that a mesechus yivamos, an eshesach, would be one of those categories, if not for the special halach. And then when it comes to halach avav, here's the second category. V'yesh nashim acheros, there are other women, shehin asuros who are prohibited, we'll call it based on the oral tradition, that will be our definition of divrei kabbalah for now, v'yisura midivrei sofrim. Whether divrei sofrim means an isra a strong isra it's not the same as something that's spelled out explicitly in the Torah. So we're going to refer to it as a dirabana, divrei sofrim. Vehein hanikros, and these are called shnios. These are secondary prohibitions. These women are considered prohibitions of a secondary nature. And then the Rambam goes on to list 20 such women. Now, some of these women you may think should be in the first list, but they're not, because they're not spelled out in the Torah. And he gives some examples. We'll go through a couple. Aim Imo, a maternal grandmother. Kalas Bito Bilvad. I'm jumping down later on. There are many different ones that you'll find on this list. The mother of a person's maternal grandfather, a person's paternal grandmother, the wife of his father's maternal brother. You could look at the list. That's category two. And then you get to a third category. Kol she'asar bi'asar b'atorah, where the Torah says that the bia is prohibited. So it sounds like we're going back to Arayos. V'lochiev alav karis, but there's no karis in these situations. Hein hanigran isure lavin. These are referred to as isure lavin. I'm spending a lot of time on this because this is foundational. And it ties into our sugya with the position of Rabbi Akiva that isure lavin would not even be kiddushin, which is not the way that we paskin, as we're about to explain. You'll see them sometimes referred to also as Yisurei Kedusha. You see how careful the Rambam is to get us to understand our categories. V'tishahin, and they are nine. We'll spend today, today we'll spend some time on some of these categories. He begins with one that is not relevant to us today, Almano Lekohen Gadol. But then we have something that is very practical. Gerusha, I'm skipping some terms, Lekohen Hedya. Talks about Mamzeris, Levin Yisrael, other categories as well. A chalutza, he mentions in this halacha, harehi kigrusha, which is very important. So even within this category of Isure Lavin, you have a subcategory of Isure Drabanan. What the Rambam here is establishing, which is to our Yavamas issue, that if someone is a chalutza, so someone's husband died, and then she is now going to her ex-brother-in-law, still brother-in-law, what we call now the Zika, and she's not interested in him, or he's not interested in her, whatever the situation is, and she's a chalutza. She now cannot marry a Kohen. This is practical today, if such a situation would arise. If she lost her husband, she could marry a Kohen. She just couldn't marry Kohen Gadol. But now she is off limits. Then the Rambam discusses 
in Perik Dalet, and here you go into Halacha Yudbeis, Hamakadish Achas Min Harayas. Here's our sugya. If someone today would marry a sister, you know, somehow a civil law would change and you're allowed to marry a sister or any of those on the list of Arayos, then loas aklum. Halakhically, it means absolutely nothing. She'en kidushin tofsin le'erva. And obviously, if they have relations, it's not going to be relations of, a, of marriage of an Ashish ish. It's going to be relations of, of an Arayos and there's a chi of karis. The Rambam in Halacha Yud Beis says chutz min, min hanida, because as we pointed out, and a few of you were a little bit surprised by this, nida is in the category of arayos, but a man, when he marries a woman, and she's a nida at that point, we're not talking about if he has relations with her, and there's a chi of karis, the kiddushin is 100% okay. In fact, the Rambam goes out of his way to remind us of this, harezo mikudeshes kiddushin gimurin. It's 100% kiddushin even though they can't have relations at the time. Fascinating discussion in halacha, what happens today if a woman is a nida at her wedding, chupas nida, they're not allowed to have yichud, because one cannot have yichud with someone until they've had relations. So the Masada Kedushin, hopefully, aside from the chasen and kala, are the only ones aware of it. Now comes the halacha yudalit. Let's say you get to the shnios. We're in Perik Dal Halacha Yudalad. Hamikadesh Achas Min Hashnios. Remember the grandmother situation, not spelled out as one of the arayos. These situations, Isurin Lavin, the Kiddushin would be Tofes, which means incredibly that the Kiddushin is Tofes, and technically, according to Halacha they could stay married. There's going to be a lava associated with it. If they end up having a child in these Shneo situations, the child's going to have a special category, especially if it's a coin. And even if it's not a coin, the kid wouldn't be able to marry a coin, a cholo. Now, within Halacha Yudal, the Rabbim introduces the Yavamas issue. That's why I'm mentioning it. Nistapek l'chacham in What he's discussing here is what happens if a woman has that zika to the brother-in-law and then she doesn't do chalitza, she goes and marries someone else. That has a question if the kiddushin is tofes or not. It's actually a suffix kiddushin. Incredible situation. Then the Rambam goes on to discuss the situation where you have a Kohen who marries a grusha. Let's just keep it at that. In these situations, although there is a lav, the Kiddushin is Tofes. So to read the language of the Rambam, Hamakadesh Achas Menashniyos. Remember, Perak Dawat Halacha Yudalat. I'm going to show this to you in the Shulchan Aruch as well. Hamakadesh Achas Menashniyos, Ome Isure Lavin, Ome Isure Ase. We're not dealing with Isure Nase right now. Then Harezo Mikudeshes Kiddushin Gimurin. Same language that when a man marries Anida that the Kiddushin is 100% okay. Now, this is very important because this happens halacha l'maysa. Halacha l'maysa, a Kohen ends up marrying a Grusha. It's a lav. There's a losase. But the marriage is valid. And it seems somewhat paradoxical. Why couldn't the Torah just say the marriage is not valid? 
That is the position of Rabbi Akiva, because according to Rabbi Akiva that we saw in Daftes as well as today, you can't have a situation. Kiddushin cannot grab hold of a prohibited <coughs> relationship. But that's not how the Chachamim hold. It's not how we paskin. But we don't say a Kohen can marry a Grusha. It's just that if they do get married, there's a lav. A Masada Kedushin is not chas v'shalom allowed to do such a situation. Now, before we get through some of the cases, I, I want to do some of the halachas further inside. I've had a deal, every rabbi who's been around a certain amount of time has had a deal with the tragic situation. And the first thing you try to do, if the Kohen and the Grusha already have, let's put it in quotes, fallen in love, and it's very painful, is you try to say that maybe the Kohen is really not a Kohen. I addressed a situation in the past, a number of situations, spoke to one of the great Gedolim, said the first thing you do is you take a trip to a cemetery and you want to see if this Kohen, so-called Kohen, his father, his grandfather, let's go back a couple of generations, as far back as you could go, is there the hands of a Kohen on the Matzeva? If it's there, there's nothing to talk about, more or less. How a Matzeva could give edus would be a long discussion. <clears throat> if it's not there, it's not going to mean that he's not a Kohen, but it would raise certain questions. One of the issues that we have to deal with today, again, I'm not going to go through every practical case, is how do we establish the yichus of a Kohen, especially if we have people who have not been observant in the past, if the Kohen's a Baal Nothing against his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, if they were not religious, but they don't necessarily have the ability, halachically, to give edus on their yichus. So this sometimes could end up helping. Another strategy would be if we find out that he is a Kohen, the Matseva is there with the hands, then maybe we could try to say that his original wedding was not a wedding. <clears throat> maybe there weren't Edom. Maybe there weren't Kasha Edus. It's very hard in these situations to ever retroactively knock out the Kahuna. And this is if you do some searching into Google, I'm sure you'll see historically these have been major controversies in Eretz Yisrael and in Chutz Laaretz as well. Major controversies, because what ends up happening if one rabbi, especially if he's on the fringes of acceptance, allows either this person to renounce his status of being a Kohen, or to say that halakhli is not a Kohen, well, more likely, they try to find some type of chisaron, some type of weakness in the Kiddusha. You need a gadol batorah, a remosha feinstein, a gadol that we have today. I could start naming them, but I don't want to. Anything less than that, you're going to be major situations, and we're putting future generations into risk. Unfortunately, also, the risk of this beautiful couple not being able to marry, which is tremendous pain and requires Mesiras Nefesh. This pops out any time I see the machlokas of whether in Isser Lav, 
is considered to be a Kedushan Tophes. You see, amazingly, and we're not picking sides here because we're Bali Messiah, we follow the Messiah. If the Isurei Lavin would have been put into the same category as the Isurei Kairos, we probably wouldn't be having such controversies because people know the marriage is technically a marriage. Another practical situation that Rabbanim have to deal with in this realm and coming back to our daf in this question about Isurei Lavin. We know that a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Grusha. That Grusha includes his own ex, his own wife, which means Ruvain HaKohen marries Sarah, and the wedding marriage doesn't work out, they get divorced. Sarah could go marry anyone who she wants, unless, of course, it's a Kohen. Ruvain could marry someone else, assuming that she fits into the status of a person that a Kohen's allowed to marry. A Kohen could be married more than one time, but he absolutely cannot marry his ex-wife. No way. This would be a marriage of a Grusha, Kohen to a Grusha. It doesn't make a difference if she is a Grusha from him or from someone else. But what happens in a situation of Ruvain is not a Kohen, a different Ruvain. He's married to Sarah. They get divorced. And then Ruvain and Sarah realize, you know, it really wasn't so bad. We were young, in love, then we weren't, whatever exactly that means, let's get remarried. Absolutely no problem, beautiful wedding, beautiful marriage. But what happens if in the middle, Sarah goes ahead and marries Yankel? and then realizes that, you know, Yankel is a louse. And Ruvain, compared to Yankel, he's a pretty good guy. I didn't realize what I had. Goes back to Ruvain. Ruvain says, you know, let's get married again. Absolutely prohibited. This is considered to be Isurei Lavin, an Isurei Kedusha. The Rambam in Perak Aleph Halachazayin, Ugrushaso, Acher, Shenises Acher. But the problem that we have with this, going back to the same issue that we have with the Kohen to the Grusha, is in this situation, this is a Stam Yisrael who cannot be Maxi Grushaso after she has married somewhere else, is technically the marriage is a valid marriage. It only has a lava associated to it. Now, only a lava associated means that an Orthodox Masada Kedushan, a Masada Kedushan cannot touch this. But if somebody does touch it and they have a marriage, the marriage is considered to be valid. What happens to the Messiah Kedushin didn't do the homework? There's a whole long list of questions that we have to ask, very sensitive questions. And then how much investigation is required? People generally have Eidus, Eidechanem and Bisurin. How much checking do you have to do? If the wedding would take place, the wedding would be valid. Now, going back to our Gemara, Rabbi Akiva would say, absolutely no. This would be a situation where even though it's a lav, Rabbi Akiva is not saying it's a chi of karas, people make that mistake, still, according to him, it wouldn't work, but we paskin that the marriage would be a valid marriage. There would be an impact if in a machzig rushaso situation where it's not allowed, there ends up being children. Definitely in a Kohen situation, there would be a chalo that would be born and a lot more to say about this.
I want to end just with uh, one point. I've given shiurim on this topic before in different contexts. And inevitably what ends up happening is uh, someone who hears the shir starts thinking about, oh, you know, this guy in shul, or this guy I know, or this cousin, he's married to a grusha, he's a kohen, or this one is a maxi grusha, so thing. So it's not our place to judge. I mean, that's my place as a rabbi. You have to know how luckily how to deal with it. What aliyah does such a, a, a kohen get? Is he considered to still have the status of kahuna? The general answer is no, can't be Ola but let's say you see this person is Ola so maybe Rav gave him a heter. My point is, especially I'm recording this, Bain HaMetzarim, it's not necessarily the person in the crowd's responsibility to play religious police. That is the Rav, unfortunately, at times has to do with that. <clears throat> we don't always know the situation behind, even if we do. Sometimes if you're a gabai, you're a person in position, you have to let a Rav know if the Rav doesn't know. But we have to deal with all these issues sensitively as everything is connected and very often very complex. I didn't get to do as much as I wanted, but I gave you a lot to think about. You should have a great week of learning. Thank you.